previously in Acts. The believers were fleeing Jerusalem to escape the persecution that was fomenting. Philip headed north to Samaria and shared the good news of the kingdom everywhere. God showed up in miraculous ways, and many people believed and began following Jesus. I'm Steve Thompson, and today we're going to continue following Philip as he follows the Spirit in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage with him and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever been excluded from something that you would love to be included in? Maybe you can think back to school days and remember not getting picked for a team or not making the cut to be in the play or friends turning their back on you by leaving you out of a group that they're a part of, or plans that they've made with other friends. Do you remember the pain and rejection you felt? If you're a white person or a person with light-colored skin, then you're in the majority population living around here. Have you ever been in a situation where you're not? I did an internship on the south side of Chicago, where I was the only white person I saw for a majority of every day. It will forever change how I empathize with my darker-skinned brothers and sisters who daily live in a white world. I also lived in another country where I didn't speak the language, I didn't know the customs, and I didn't look like the vast majority of people, and I would frequently feel like an outsider. I clearly didn't belong. I don't think I can even quantify how that impacted me 
and has given me a heart for anyone who finds themselves on the outside. Have you ever had any experiences like that? Were you ever excluded because of how you looked? Have you ever had people stare at you because there was something different or wrong with you? Have you ever been treated as quote-unquote special or worse yet, treated poorly because somehow you didn't fit in? If you haven't experienced this, at best, you have a distorted view of how the world works. And at worst, your soul is possibly stunted in its maturation because you haven't experienced this because you've been in the in crowd your entire life. Rejection and alienation is a universal result of the brokenness of this world. It's not right. We weren't meant to live there. And the enemy of our souls would love nothing more than for us to live with a feeling of or in the little reality of loneliness, isolation, and rejection. The Ethiopian eunuch had achieved great success and lived with authority and privilege in his own country and culture, but somehow in his spiritual journey, he was drawn to the God of Israel. And before you think that was a miracle in and of itself, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was an absolute breath of fresh air, calm, patience, and love compared to the smorgasbord of fickle gods and barbaric religious rituals that were being practiced in the world at that time. Yet, even while being drawn to the one true God and experiencing a faithful God of life, there's a measure of ostracism involved in temple worship. You see, foreigners could only enter into the outer courts of the temple to worship. They couldn't go all the way in. And then to be a eunuch on top of that left you outside the temple altogether. He had traveled all the way to Jerusalem to get as close as he possibly could. But he was left very much on the outside, marginalized, different, alone. But on this particular trip, God had something very special in mind. Philip responds to the Spirit's prompting to check out that particular southbound chariot, and then he gets invited into this amazing conversation about Hebrew Scripture. The Ethiopian is trying to figure out who this prophet Isaiah could be referring to, this servant that would willingly sacrifice his own life to rescue the world from its rebellion and bring them into right relationship with their Creator. Can I just say, If you haven't read Isaiah 53 lately, and especially if you've never read it, then you need to go read that chapter right after this podcast is done. Or or even just stop right now and go read it. Go ahead, I'll wait. (laughs) Try and comprehend that God gave this prophetic insight to a guy 700 years before, bringing that exact person fitting this description onto the scene. And Philip got to walk this Ethiopian through God's story and God's determination to rescue and redeem all people and how all of that came to its climax and fulfillment and culmination in Jesus. History had completely toppled over a tipping point. In my mind, and in my mind, I see Philip 
going all the way back to the beginning and filling in this amazing grand story and leading all the way up to the time of Isaiah. And after describing how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection perfectly match up with Isaiah 53, he would then, and this is what I imagine him doing, he would then touch on the new covenant and the new relationship of rescue that we find in chapter 54 of Isaiah, and then an invitation to new life for those who seek God in chapter 55, and then in chapter 56. He probably came to this part that might have even seemed to have been written right to this man, directly to this Ethiopian eunuch who so desperately wanted to draw near to God, but had so far only been kept, kept off at a distance, only been made keenly aware of his own imperfections and shortcomings. He seemed destined to be forever labeled as an outsider. This is what Isaiah chapter 56 says, starting at verse 3. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, The Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house, right inside the Holy of Holies in the temple, a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one, it will never disappear. It will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord. Sorry, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer prayer for all the nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. Oh my goodness. For the first time ever, this man got a glimpse of his heavenly father running wildly to meet him at the gate. He was being invited, no, escorted all the way in. No barriers, no separation, not alone, not now, not ever. Insider, accepted, loved, dearly loved son. This brought me to tears of thankfulness as all of this came together for me. I can't imagine what it meant to this man. Luke probably dramatically understates what happened. Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Why can't I jump into this new relationship I've been offered, this new family that you say I can be a part of? And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Yeah, I bet he did. Of course he did. And you know what? Ethiopia would be rocked by Jesus for the following 1,800 years as a result. Father God, 
for anyone listening today. I ask that if they feel isolated, alone, on the outside, rejected, too sinful, too whatever, that they would hear you calling, saying, no, 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 no. I took away every barrier. God, would you please speak to our hearts again today to remind us who we are, to remind us whose we are. And then, Father, as as a result of that, like Philip did, that we'd hear your promptings for what's next as a result of that. And that we could boldly, courageously, unselfconsciously, full of the confidence of who we are in you, take that step of obedience today. So God, we need you. Come Holy Spirit. Amen.